in our cases, we have to do something more substantial. It has to be a tangible result that ultimately helps these companies grow their business with tangible results. Because otherwise, we're just kind of playing innovation porn. Welcome to the Future Engineering Club podcast. My name's Jack Lomas and join me as I speak to some of the brightest minds in the built environment, hearing firsthand their experience building the future of our planet. For this episode, I'm super excited to be joined by Milan Koshik, who heads up Sixth Sense, an accelerator program he founded at publicly listed technology company, Hexagon. Milan's mission is to create an environment where startups can explore possibilities for growth with Hexagon's wide network of products, services, and customers. He himself has spent the last 15 years bringing many innovative new products and services like Pulse and MyCare to market, and is an author of more than 25 patents in many different areas of smart, advanced manufacturing. We talk about building a specialist innovation accelerator, tackling some of the biggest priorities in manufacturing, co-creating new solutions alongside founders and industry-leading clients, why Sixth Sense approach is important in a marketplace full of cookie-cutter programs, the opportunity for productivity increases for assistive intelligence, and lots more. We often hear about corporates launching accelerator programs, but very few are done well, with Milan's being one of the exceptions. I'm personally fascinated by both the scale and the agility of the program. A Sixth Sense only started last year and it has some pretty impressive outcomes already, which I think comes from their efforts combining deep manufacturing intelligence expertise with a genuine understanding of how startups operate and has allowed them to truly provide tangible growth opportunities for each company that goes through the process. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Let me know what you think by giving me a shout on LinkedIn. And with that, I'll pass over to Milan. I've been working at Hexagon almost all of my career in various capacities probably roughly 20 something years. So I'm aging myself a little bit, but probably the most relevant stuff to our conversations in the last 15 years I've spent in innovation, building products and services. And then in last year and a half or so, uh, building out Sixth Sense program as in our open innovation program. What is Sixth Sense and where did the idea come from? Sure. As, as I did my innovation journey within Hexagon's walls and Hexagon for those who don't know is a large $5 billion company that dabbles in a lot of different things. I'm part of a manufacturing intelligence division and the, the struggle that a lot of large corporates have is how do you balance out so-called, let's call it disruptive innovation and your day-to-day -day business. And essentially those two things are always in conflict, uh, meaning one is in the quarterly schedule and the other one is in years schedule because any fruitful innovation takes time to mature. So as we went through this journey, we reached the end of the road as to what could we do from the inside. And we decided that probably we should look at what do companies do out there, you know, the typical accelerators and other things that people have put together. But we tried to start essentially doing a lot of user research and talk to a bunch of other programs and a bunch of startups and try to find like where exactly are the sweet spots where a corporate like Hexagon can have a more fruitful journey with a startup. And that's essentially what facilitated the, the birth of Sixth Sense. I know that you've taken a challenge-led approach. What challenges did you come up with and what was the process that you went through? Well, you talk product building, you go and talk to your customers. So our customers in this case are probably business unit owners. So, and some customers in general. So we go to both sources, external and internal. And we try to figure out what keeps people up at night, what kind of things are they trying to solve, or sometimes the hunch, where did they think the industry is going? So pulling all that together, 
we tend to come up with general challenges for, for the startups to, to, to entertain. So if cohort one was focused more about around AI, cohort two was focused more about automated inspection, manufacturing and digital reality. So the idea is within those domains, they're pretty broad still. So how you define exactly how somebody sits is still leaves us a little bit of room for interpretation. But as we try to guide those challenges into the areas where we think the future benefits will come as we innovate within those domains. I, I like the challenge of AI and you're definitely on the money with the, the rapid rise of open AI's chat GBT. I know we, we, we were probably a little early for that, but we should probably revisit another AI challenge, but it's only chat GPT. That's the only thing maybe you do. <laughs> definitely. I mean, you'd be able to, you'll be able to pull together a massive cohort for that. I, I've seen so much innovation uh, with that at its core. But I, I know I've seen that you often use the word open innovation to describe citizens. And that's definitely a term that's been on the rise over the last couple of years with folks like Rick S. Shaw at Transport for London, pioneering this in the infrastructure space. What does open innovation mean for you? And why is it an important part of value creation for Hexagon? I think in the simplest form, and maybe this is this is going to sound a little simplistic, which is open innovation to me means no ego innovation, in my opinion. And what it means is that the innovation should be able to blossom anywhere and should be able to flourish with the help of people who can help primarily startups to scale their businesses. And when we talked to startups when we formed Six Sense, was what do they actually desire? And and they live different in US and then in Europe, but most of US-based startups don't necessarily ask. I mean, everybody needs funding, but they did not necessarily ask for funding. They're looking for access. So they're looking to, to openly work with somebody like Hexagon to get access to opportunities and things that they cannot see themselves because they're too small to be in many places at the same time. So I look at open innovation is we may be doing something, startup may be doing something, and usually a combined force of the two potentially could create a bigger outcome for either of the parties. And it's not mutually exclusive. It's not like one gains and the other one loses and those kinds of things. And it's not all just for the benefit of a host company like Hexagon. It is to look at how can we openly collaborate on something, invite maybe more participants like our customers, like other people, and then try to pave the runway that will allow those startups to scale their business and potentially benefit Hexagon in, in, a, in a long run. And thinking about the scaling point and mm -hmm. thinking about routes to market, Hexagon obviously represents a massive potential sales channel to these startups. And I'm sure Hexagon clients would, would love to see it. Is this in the plan? Yeah. And it's also, to be fully transparent, it's also a challenge. I mean, Hexagon has its own roadmaps and plans and on building products and things. So when you run a cohort and you discover something that's super promising, it is a bit of a balancing act uh, to make sure that there is a landing for the startup to come into Hexagon to actually deliver a joint product. And an example of that is the two winners from the latest cohort, a company out of Boston called Gelsite and a company out of Tel Aviv called Castor. Gelsite makes a piece of hardware. So there's a relatively small integration process to be done between us and them to make a joint product that is desired in the marketplace. And for Castor, it may be even simpler because it's the software application that has to get put in tied to our ecosystem. And so. The technical challenge is not where the real challenge lies. The real challenge lies once you do that. 
how do you excite the marketplace? How do you get the sales force to be willing to add it to their portfolio of things they sell? How do you get to focus on that? And how do you get customers to drive their desire? I think that's where the real challenges come. So it's not always a technology or innovation challenge. Sometimes it's a typical, how do you sell stuff challenge, which is, I think, when most people run into the bigger things that I have to solve there. Because I have this theory that Technologically speaking, we can pretty much do anything we think of is everything else that has to come into spot. I, I think one of the really powerful things about the, the Sixth Sense program is, is how flexible it is. And I actually attended the pitch day for the first cohort last year. I found it fascinating how mature the startups were with clear product market fit and lots of good client badges on the show, which I felt differed to other innovation pitch days where the companies are often much earlier in the journey. Yeah, that's a great point. I, and we actually... Between that pitch there that you went and the second cohort, we made a, a learning leap. That's the best way to put it. We as Hexagon don't have a CVC arm. So we don't have an investment arm that invests in startups. And we had a couple of early stage startups in cohort one, and we found out our own limitations as to how much we could help them. Because usually when you're early in your journey, as from your past experience, is you need money and you need to raise funds and you need to go do something. And we, while we realized we cannot do that, what we did do is we build a network of VCs that can step in and provide those kinds of services. But what we did for second cohort is we got a little bit more clever, which is we basically said, we're going to try to recruit any companies that probably has either good seed fund or it's series A or series A plus, maybe even series B. So that we know that they're in a more secure place in the journey where they don't depend on funding for tomorrow and they can have some luxuries in working with us to deliver some sort of a joint service or product. And it's turned out much, much better. I can tell you that out of eight startups that were in Cold War II, we are currently actively working with seven of them. So you, you have to be a little bit more clever to realize your own limitations and where does it fit works. We are hopefully at some point in the future, we might have a CVC. Then I think earlier stage startups are, are, could be a, a good fit. But for now, to your point is you look at what can produce success. Because right now, for example, we have a bit of a lull in a cohort. And main reason for that is we're focusing to make sure to make success out of some of these collaborations, because that's what gets to the startup community. Okay. So I went to the program. So what did you get besides a nice event and some good merchandise? There has to be some sort of a concrete example that we can show to the marketplace, which is should entice other startups to join us in the future. I think that's a really interesting point, an important point when running uh, some sort of innovation program. It's what do the companies need and what is the most valuable source of help for them? Sometimes for the early stage companies, like, like you've said, it's maybe a, a couple of hundred grand to sort of help them build their first team. Whereas actually looking at the companies that you have in your cohort, actually the relationship with Sixth Sense and Hexagon and that intelligence and the opportunity to iterate their product and that large sales channel. That has tremendous value for a company that then can help them raise further funding from investors. It's, yeah, I would say you take an example of the winner, which is Gelside. So Gelside makes this sensor that does defect detection, surface roughness, a bunch of other things. So it's a handheld sensor and they just, they have a, a good customer base. The thing that's missing for them uh, in a bigger scheme of things is that I have orientation in 3D space, which is what the customers are asking. So when they combine that with a product from Hexagon portfolio called an absolute arm, they're able to deliver all that. So put that all on the side from a technical satisfaction. 
But what it turns out is that Gelsite and Hexagon have quite a few customers in common. And what ends up happening is that you now show to those customers a whole new solution, which they were looking for, but they're not necessarily aware of in, in a bigger scheme of things. And what that does is generates additional markets for both parties, which they both, we both absolutely benefit. So the idea is like one plus one equals three. And how do you get out of that? And so to me, I make a, a joking statement. I say, you know, a lot of tech stars and stuff like that, I call it the happy meals of accelerators because it's kind of the cookie cutter thing. You come in, you get some classes, you get a, maybe a little chat, and then you go off and do something else. And maybe you build a network. In our cases, we have to do something more substantial. It has to be a tangible result that ultimately helps these companies grow their business with, with a tangible result. Because otherwise, we're just kind of playing what I, innovation porn at the end of the day. We just show up and talk about things and nothing ever happens. So we have to be very purposeful in what we're doing. Yeah, no, definitely. I completely see that. And I guess sort of thinking about it from the other way around. How is this exposure to the external innovation being received in the wider Hexagon business? Are there any learnings that have been passed through? Yeah, I would say like any corporate, what you will see is areas of the company that will be super excited and welcoming. And you will also see areas of the company that might still slide it or some other word that we can use at the description. So it's a balancing act of going with the groups of people who are more welcoming to the open. I think the idea of Sixth Sense over time is to transform how we view external innovation. And I think in a lot of instances, beginning, it's viewed as a threat rather than as an enhancement. But if you look at more recent views of R&D and innovation from larger things, I think there's a report from Gartner that basically shows that currently, I think by 2020, that then 28 some year, doesn't quote me on this, is that the amount of R&D in-house will go from 75 to less than 20%. So as the R&D internally reduces, it's shifting out to the external because I think corporates like ourselves are realizing it is much easier to get, let's call it a bang for the buck if you work with the external companies. And I think to your point, that's a cultural change. That, that takes time. And it will take several years until we get to a place where we look at this as a beneficial exercise for everybody within the company. I completely agree. I, I see that heavily in the engineering sector as well. The diversified supply chains and really trying to sort of tap into the best capabilities, regardless of whether they fall inside your company or through your supply chain and, and partnership ecosystem. Yeah. So Milan. Between lead and innovators coming through Sixth Sense and Hexagon's manufacturing intelligence business, working with some of the biggest clients in the world, you must have a pretty powerful level of visibility of the industry. What trends are you most excited about? What does this mean for the world that we live in? I think, I mean, you mentioned it at the beginning a little bit. We talked about AI as one of the original cohorts. I think AI is kind of everywhere at this point. I think in particular, since the explosion of ChatGPT, I, I, I look at it something maybe slightly differently, which is, I call it assistive intelligence rather than artificial intelligence. I think the future, especially in advanced manufacturing, is building out systems that still require humans, but let's call it the boring stuff is handled by some sort of assistive intelligence. And I think that's probably the greatest opportunity for productivity increases is investments in those kinds of areas. 
And the other areas where we are particularly interested in is digital reality, which is capturing essentially your analog world, making it digital and being able to essentially simulate it just about anything you can. And an example of that uh, is the second, the runner up for Clover 2, it's a company out of Israel called Castor. When what Castor does, they look at essentially any engineering CAD file and they will tell you what is printable, meaning an additive manufacturing, what is 3D printable, what is not what it's its yield that would give you positive profit on it. What is the sustainability effect of those parts and a bunch of other things. And that's before you have done anything, uh, in essence for making that part. So essentially you're simulating everything ahead of time and where you're simulating those things, it allows you to essentially prepare your manufacturing process before anything. I know there'll be a lot of large organizations listening to that and are pretty envious about what this could mean for, for their companies, but also I think envious about your setup, six cents then, but they couldn't possibly ever get the sign off or for the budget and the investments. What advice would you give them in getting started on their journey to work with startups and try and make use of some of these new technological advancements, but without the big investments? I would say. If you actually look at the true cost of what it takes to run a program like this, it's not that much in the budget of a company like Hexagon in general. I think what you have to do before you get started, be really, really, truly aware of what you're trying to achieve. Because if you don't know where you're going, it's going to be really hard to find your journey. The second one is, um, I think you have to know the purpose. Like what exactly are you trying to do during the sixth sense? You're just a means to an end. It's not the actual full purpose of everything. But our idea was, how do we get better? And that's a never ending journey for any corporate. And six cents is just one of the cogs in that wheel that allows us to do what it is. The third one is be public about it. I mean, you, you, you followed me through certain ways, which is go out on the street and shout from the corners and, and anybody who is willing to talk to you, go talk to them because you will find amazing opportunities from the corners of the world. We're currently, just as a side note, we're currently talking to one of our main competitors about potentially doing a joint event with startups because we both see that it's a good way to explore where things go, be open to it because you never know where it may take you. Maybe nothing gets out of it, but maybe something comes out of it. So to me, every opportunity should be chased because I found in my own life, the unexpected opportunities come from the totally unexpected sources. And that's my take on what I would say to everybody. Just don't be shy, be humble and go, go after anybody who wants to be able to be part of the journey. To wrap up, you just finished your second cohort at Sixth Sense with your program clearly now here to stay. What does the next year look like for you? So we are. Um, until about June, we're focusing on the, the winners and trying to give them some runway and ability to essentially produce products together with us that we can sell later in the year. And then we'll most likely announce cohort three sometime in early June with the corporate three running from September to December. And then we'll go back to our schedule of two, two cohorts per year. We might start touching other areas of business at Hexagon. But the one at Corporate 3, most likely, and you mentioned this earlier, might be more focused on sustainability, which has been a big theme in The Hague for our Six Sense Summit. Big theme from a lot of journalists and a lot of visitors was what's the next thing that Hexagon is going to do about sustainability. So it's another big area of focus that we're trying to shift and learn into, and maybe that's one of our challenges for the, for the fall. 
amazing and super on point in terms of the trends that we need to be thinking about. Milan, thank you so much for your time. You've been listening to the Future Engineering Club podcast. Thanks so much for joining me. I really hope you found it interesting. If I may ask a favor, if you've enjoyed this episode, please consider giving it a share on LinkedIn and a follow on Spotify, as it'd really help promote our conversation to others who might find it helpful. And with that, I'll leave you to it. Stay tuned for next week's episode, where we'll be hearing from one of the leading innovators automating the design of linear infrastructure. Thanks and goodbye.